everyone. Welcome to episode 174 of 15 with Andy and Randy. Sweat-tember is officially behind us today, and the <laughs> promise of fall lies fully in October's grasp. You can do it, October. You can do it. Hang on a little longer, my Florida yes. friends. We are almost there. October 29 by the end. <laughs> <laughs> by the end of the month, they all, all should be well. So after a few weeks of us not being able to get together in the same room, we're back, at least the two of us. And it's good to see Andy's face across and through the microphones and wires <laughs> and with the headphones on once more. Last week was a special edition of the podcast, if you can call a special edition something by yours truly. I looked a little bit closer at the message by Andy, and on a text we love to misuse, Plans to Prosper, which was based on Jeremiah 29.11, where we were reminded that, and whether it is tomorrow or 70 years away, God has, in his amazing providence, a plan to give you and me hope and a future of being transformed. Not by our miter power, not by gritting our teeth, ooh, double, or enduring hardship with grace, but simply as a gift. A day will come when his plans for us are accomplished and our future is eternity because he makes it so. Oh, man, because he <laughs> makes it so. It just makes it sound like we don't have anything to do with it, Andy. Well, not much. <laughs> was that, man, I was listening last week. Man, I, I did okay all by myself. All right. This week. Well, it's just that whole text. We always wanted to be right now. And the people that heard it the first time, it was 70 years away. So we, we, we need to be a little patient with God's plans for our future. Oh, man. And I loved it because the story of Joseph intertwined with that, mm -hmm. showing the patience and everything that Joseph went through. And that's one of my favorite stories yeah, in the Bible. Story. And when you see that all come together, so if you missed that message, please don't, because I really found that you can really think about a text that you think you're pretty comfortable <laughs> with, and maybe you're partially right. Maybe you're right. a little bit right, yeah. but maybe there's another side you haven't considered. Last week was definitely one of those for me. So this week is something that I have always found really odd, <laughs> communion. Man, growing up, communion always felt... 100% liturgical, repetitive, and oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I think Old-fashioned. I think from no, I think from my youth, I I would almost add the word dark. Oh yes, um, yes, yeah. And and I was really surprised. I remember in college, I think it was, or maybe high school. One day I read something about how it should be a joyous occasion. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, somebody's missed a mark somewhere in my life. And uh, so we're trying to. I love it, Make it better. because I had put a question down, basically asking you like, what was, and I could not for the life of me. I mean, it was two o'clock this morning. <laughs> Yesterday was a very long day for a lot of reasons, but I could not come up with, how did I want to ask that question to you? Because <laughs> you're the person that's bringing this message to us. And, you know, I'm just looking back through my life thinking, I never found the meaning growing up in this. I mean, it's the same prayers, mm -hmm. the same people in the front, the same, you know, they bring out the special table yeah. and all right. the, the pomp and circumstance. <laughs> and it's a story we've heard so many times, but only the same verses read in the same order, missing bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. But I think the way you made this come together was, here's John 13. To me, that's an automatic invitation to say, well, let's go read John 13. Yeah. <laughs> let's go read the whole thing. Right. And I guess I've never stopped and thought about it with the the program or the I don't want to call it a program because it's not, mm -hmm. but a re almost a re enjoyment of that that Last Supper. Sure. But then the way you kind of put this all together, 
it was extremely meaningful because, I mean, how many ways can you analyze this story and how many lessons can you squeeze out of 38 verses, many times of which we only use about 10 or 12? Right. And yet this week, I I really felt like we did it. Good. I really did. Well, John told me, he said, was that... Was that a rerun you gave? <laughs> <laughs> Was it? Uh, no, I said. Well, I said. Well, it's certainly a story we've heard before. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's where I feel like we lose a lot of the. We, you know, you say, "Oh, we're going to do, you know, the bread and the wine, and sure. we're going to do the foot washing, and we're going to do it." It's usually in, you know, depending upon where you go to church, it's in a separate, you know, it's in a different order mm-hmm. or the same order each time. You do it in the same places, and it just. I don't want to say repeating things like that make them dull, but in a way it takes some of the newness and some of the, the real energy that's in this story. And it just kind of takes it away. Right. I I thought Gina's, um, when she was hosting a week or so ago and talked about her good night ritual with her son, uh, of saying, I love you more. And he'd say, well, I miss you more. And (laughs) and how sweet that was and, and how that is, that can be a ritual or it can just become a routine. Yeah. And she says, you know, she has to engage. So it's a, so it's part of a ritual of hers and her sons as opposed to just becoming the routine you think you say. Like, well, in our family, we always say goodbye, I love you, goodbye, I love you. And, and without really oftentimes thinking about what does that mean, I love you, um, it can become just a routine thing you say or does it really have meaning that, you, that carries with it? I think the same thing is true with anything that we do scripturally sure. uh, that has repetition to it. It can become – Something that we do rotely yeah, or with thought. Yeah. Well, and I think it also comes down to maybe it's just the fact that we don't want to deal with the realities that we have to face in ourselves when we see this story in John 13 <laughs> in is, its entirety. This is true too. <laughs> and we see our own efforts and our lack of desires typically to serve each other, maybe even here at the hospital church in, in a, our church community, right. let alone those on the outside. Yeah, and I, I say the one thing that Jesus clearly said he wants his followers to do is serve others. Right. Yeah. And we would rather do almost anything in the church. <laughs> yeah. You know, how can I figure out how to do something else besides having to be the servant? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'll do anything. Do I, you want me to park cars in the heat? You know, you want me to stand out there with the, the flag? I'll do that, please. Well, I really liked that early on you described the atmosphere in the room by giving context with the recent preceding events of the miraculous resurrection yeah. of Lazarus. Jesus rides in on the cold into Jerusalem as a king. And this all has the disciples relishing these ideas that everything that they'd hoped for was finally coming together. It's about to happen. So why did you feel it that it was so important to set the scene that way? Well, I, I think otherwise you you can sort of get wrapped up in we, – we know the end of the story. Right. And when they're experiencing it, they don't know the end of the story. And I think it's important to – if you want to catch the sense of what's going on in the room – you have to come at it from behind the story, like you don't know the end. Yeah. And what what is what are all the emotions that have been stirred up in you with all the history of your thinking and and uh, and I think the the contrast of their anticipations and their expectations of Jesus and the reality of what he wants to do for them in, te- in that teachable moment. They just, they really, you got to have that background to set up the thing that, that they're, I mean, they're up here just gloating and salivating for power and glory and a high point where they can have, be a commander over others. And then the God of the universe sort of like quietly stands up, you know, starts washing feet. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and 
for me, it took the focus away from the ending of the story, like you just said, and focused on how Jesus used every moment and every emotion as a teaching tool mm-hmm. during this process. Yeah. He let them linger in their excitement that you just <laughs> talked about in there and in these personal prospects of positions, power, prestige, <laughs> so that the lesson learned would have maximum impact is what it seemed like to me. It's like, I'm just going to let you all linger. Yeah, and can- then, and I don't ever remember thinking about like this before, thinking about this story, yeah. like, Jesus just kind of let them be and let all this play out in that room until it was so crazy when he starts to do this foot washing and everyone's looking around going, oh, because you said when they had entered the room, each disciple had noticed the absence of a servant. This situation seems like so familiar. We look around our world and people are in need in our own homes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes our churches, our sidewalks and all about in our communities. How do we overcome the awkwardness though? Well, I'll motion to you to take care of it. (laughs) And you'll motion to me to take care of it. And then neither of us wants to actually take care of it. No, I I think you can be overwhelmed by the great, the the bigness of the need. Yeah. Uh, I I would go back to what we talked about a number of weeks ago. I forget what week we we do what. But uh, the quote from Andy Stanley, what what you wish you could do Do for for everyone. Do for one what you wish you you could do for all. Yeah, yeah. And I think the same thing is true here. Uh, You have to focus on that that setting, what you can do. Yeah. It almost made me think of Jesus relationship to the disciples, like God, the father to him. <laughs> like I'm, I'm going to be almost like he turned into a father figure to them at that moment. And maybe that's mm-hmm. kind of, maybe there was more <laughs> of that that I just haven't noticed, but it just seemed like that was a very father teacher yeah. kind of moment where he's like, I'm just going to let you, I'm going to give you guys a little more rope well, I, I, <laughs> and I mean, let you just figure this out. Not to burden Jesus with too much of our humanness, but he's fully human. Um, it just had to be over it. You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, three and a half years, I've told you these things, things over, over and over. You've listened to my talks. You've seen me do all this work and you just, you still don't get it. You're still wanting something totally different than what I've come to bring. And and so I, I think he was like, okay, one more time. Let me try one more thing. Maybe he was counting to 10 this whole time. Just like, you know, I'm going to count to 10. And if they don't move, then I'm going to have to do this. And he probably, of course, he probably already knew that. But the idea that the strategy for building God's kingdom is, as you said, to set self aside and serve another. And that no matter who or what you are, what you do, where you're from, we can all serve one another. This seems so basic and doable. And yet, as you're saying this in the message, it was moving and it was just, don't miss this service in general. The music, everything. Oh my, the music was exceptional. Everything, the strings. I told Richard afterwards, this was an amazing, just an amazing morning Mm -hmm. of worship. It wasn't just the message. It wasn't just the music. Everything came together. The whole room was worshipful. And you know, we, we often discuss the disciples just like in, we just were doing, kind of like idiots. Whether we intend to or not, <laughs> they get blamed for never seeing what should have been so obvious in their face with being with Jesus every day, still missing the point, yada, yada, yeah, yada. Like we're getting it. And yeah, and like <laughs> and yet all these agendas in our lives and this like they did during this last supper with Jesus, are we just as doomed as them to never get this right or to become even remotely adequate in loving one another just as he has loved us? Man, I just – the way you presented this message with starting off with this, what was happening and it wasn't Jesus's time. And then Mm -hmm. it became Jesus time and the build up to this. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I would have been right with them. Oh yeah. We all just, just sitting there going, 
finally, and and maybe for the best reasons possible, not for me. Let's just say we could have yeah. gotten past greed and just said, you know what? I'm so sick of being oppressed by the Romans. Mm-hmm. I am so sick of people looking down on me. God and, had a plan for Israel. And We're God had a plan. It, yeah. And now with Jesus, we've been working with him and this is the fruition. We've, you know, we've walked, we've yeah. listened, we've done all this. And finally, man, this is going to finally f- you get to wash feet. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but finally, Jesus will be king, mm-hmm. and we've seen so much good from him. This is going to be good for so many people. And then to just have it all, basically those parts crashing down around And him. I think that should speak to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one of the things in my in my reading, and I think I used it in the, in the message, is that Peter's response to Jesus is indicative of his expectations of Jesus. And what are right. our expectations of Jesus? And I think we really have to use this opportunity to recognize that no matter what our expectations are, he calls us to serve. (laughs) And for our church, with its mission statement of loving people in lifelong friendship with God, I think it's really critical that this is the clear uh, demonstration of how we're to go about loving people into lifelong friendship with God. How do we do it? We serve them. We serve them. And that means we go out of our way to care for them. We, you know, we, we break our agendas. We set our timetables aside sometimes, you know. Yeah. And those are all things that rub us uh, differently than we like to be rubbed. <laughs> yeah, very often so. And I liked it because you really said, you know, the genius of this plan is that it doesn't matter if you can walk, if you can talk. If you, I mean, if you're alive, yeah. you can do this. There's it doesn't some way matter you can where, serve. There's some way that you can serve. First off, it's like, oh, geez, now we're back to serving again. This is more work on my part. I don't have time for this. And this seems like it's difficult. But then if you really stop and think about it, it should be freeing because really that's all you're asking of me. Yeah. You're really asking me to love somebody and to serve. Like I have to find one good thing in somebody that I can grasp onto (laughs) and ignore the rest if I have to. But at minimum, I need to find one thing and I need to serve them somehow. And it may be – I mean – we, we sometimes make the serving thing so egregious in our minds. You know, like we have to grovel and we have to be a doormat and all those. You know, it may be as simple as just shutting up and listening to someone. Uh, that's a great service that, that might be the big one. People really need to be listened to and heard. And so, you know, that's the way we can serve. There's just a gazillion ways we can serve if we'll be open to being a servant. Yeah. Um, if, we, if we recast our minds, I'm a servant, I'm not the one to be served, then we just sort of set a new framework and then live our lives serving other people. It makes it a lot different outlook because I got caught on that very thing that you just mentioned saying you'd asked us, you know, what are our expectations of God that don't match up with who God is? Mm. And for me, I thought about, and maybe my expectation is that we've been told and taught since I was a kid and my parents were kids and their parents, et cetera, (laughs) et cetera, et cetera. That Jesus was coming back soon. Mm. That's what I've always been told. And many days when I look at myself and the mess I can be and am the majority of the time (laughs) and the mess this world has become, I think soon isn't soon enough. I'm like, when is this going to happen? And I'm sure there's countless other things that people can have in these expectations. And I don't know why this stuck with me like it did, but it's been in my mind all day. It was since the the message, Mm. Sunday, Monday, and here we are Tuesday. 
but it seems like we can so easily miss God's plan in the simplicity of you need to serve because we're busy painting this picture right. of like, why isn't this working? Oh, well, because you know, God said he's come back soon and he isn't. So obviously like we get so focused on these other parts. What's Andy's best sage advice for just aligning expectations? Well, I, I, I'll, I'll talk about soon first. Soon. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because soon is such a relative term. Um, and I don't know. I don't, why, I don't know why that is I don't know anything about quantum physics. I'll just start there. <laughs> What's quantum <laughs> but, physics? <laughs> but, but time is a relative thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I'm talking to Mr. Wynn years ago. He was 93 at the time. His daughter, Marjorie, was 78, I think. Uh, she's standing in the room. And I said to oh, Mr. Wynn, I said, I said, how long ago was it, Mr. Wynn, that you bounced Marjorie on your knee? Oh, he said that was that was just yesterday. Yeah, um, a lifetime is just this little blip in the eons of the universe. I mean, it is truly a little blip. And so we get all hung up that soon is not soon enough, and what is soon going to mean? Yeah. It's soon for me because you know I don't need I don't need any more guarantees on things in about twenty five or thirty years. I don't need a, I don't need a fifty year roof. I can do what? <laughs> thirty ought to take yeah, care. Yeah, thirty. Of uh, thirty will be enough. And, and so and so I you just understand. I think the older we get, we understand how 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 soon this life is from birth to death. Yeah. Whether you're young when you die or whether you're ancient when you die, it's just fast and it is soon. And I, th- I think if we can back off wanting to get our own way um, and, and be comfortable <laughs> and th- then, then we, the, we can let go of the soonness. Um, and probably a lot of other things. Right. It's because trusting that it's in, in God's time will be soon enough and yeah. it'll be, it'll be great. And the fact that he hasn't come, Peter says, is because he's patient, not wanting anyone to be lost. <laughs> Oh, man. He's patient. Another thing we don't yeah, do very yeah. well. We just as soon as sign a bunch of people to hell and get on with it. <laughs> Can't we just – don't we – I thought you knew the beginning from the end That's already. Right. Can't we just yeah, cut this? Let's jump over. But you were saying something else. Yeah, I mean, well, your question was something no, else. No, no, but that – I think that's – it's a, a relevant point. And what made me think about it while you were speaking was – I don't remember how old my grandma was. I think she was 91. My mom's mm-hmm. mom, Alan Schneider, here at the church, and his mom as well. And the last time I got a chance to see her, which was not long before she passed away, we went and visited her and the, the girls got to see her one last time and you know she was a little down mm-hmm. and she said you know Rand, I, I don't know what I'm doing here yeah. she's like why does God still have me here she said when I was a little girl and I grew up and for years you know she was the church treasurer yeah. you know engaged. always involved always engaged in church and, and believed in Jesus wholeheartedly and she said you know I always believed that Jesus would come back during my lifetime and I said, well, you know, we've been told the same thing. And I'm like, you know, I, I have no idea. And I don't know why that triggered that in me as the message was being spoken this week. And I've been thinking about it and it's just been churning. And I'm thinking we probably all have something like that. I'm sure it's not all the same one. Mm-hmm. But when we can just get sidetracked and then it's like we're, we're busy worrying about this when the simplicity also hit me. It's just about serving, loving, yeah, finding right. a little bit of love yeah, yeah. and serving some people and let the rest yeah. Quit worrying about what you're going to get out of this thing, Randy. Just serve somebody. And just serve somebody, <laughs> would you already? No, I, I think that's. I think you answered that uh, was the sage advice for aligning expectations is just to to do what you said in your message. We all can serve. We can all do it. It's what yeah. it's what God's. That's the genius of His call. Is yeah. Everybody can do that. You can serve another person. So I am hoping that if you were, if you haven't watched the message already, that you'll go back and watch it because yeah, the, I think when you the go, music's th- worth it. Oh yeah, the music <laughs> alone was worth it. The whole program, but I think that. 
really came out, and this is something I've never gotten out of a communion service. And to be honest, we were doing the kids program. So we didn't, we didn't even get to foot washing, even though we were totally expecting to and wanted to. But this message really was more than just about communion. And if you just pick up that one piece and just realize that, man, it's just about serving and about loving others. That's pretty easy because we can all do it. That genius of that plan was so was so good. All right. We could talk about this forever. Uh, this week, one of our FHG takeaways asked, how will you intentionally serve someone today <laughs> or this week? Now, this takeaway is obviously less a question to respond to on the outward, but rather an invitation to search our awareness, our schedules, and our hearts to see with his eyes in our lives and to make room in our lives and to serve and love with our hearts. And you, don't don't make it bigger than it needs to be. Oh, there, yeah. You right, don't have absolutely. to serve – the whole world, and and you don't have to buy somebody a new car to serve them. You know, yeah. just, just little ways, find ways that you can care for another and yeah. and uh, make a difference for them. Although if you do have a car, you're looking yeah, at yeah, rid of. Randy might be needing one soon, so just keep that in mind. You know, podcast at Hot No, I'm just kidding. A united body of Christ in Orlando, each doing their small part, whatever that is, or wherever you may be listening from, serving each other in our communities with humility and extending grace – Loving them into a lifelong friendship with God, man. That is, if so, if just one thing we could take away is this: it was all a bunch of small things yeah. collectively. What an impact we could make! And speaking of that impact, our final thoughts are from Andy's message, and he said, "Imagine what might be if we could come together in unity that Jesus is the Savior, He calls us to love, <laughs> and there is a glorious future, and then simply live our lives loving each other and loving people everywhere." into a lifelong friendship with God so that the table of the Lord enlarges. Imagine what might be. Mm. Goodness. It'd be a lot better than arguing about some obtuse scripture somewhere. Oh, because, well, and speaking <laughs> of obtuse scriptures, what text are we misusing this week? <laughs> Where two or three are gathered. Oh, Matthew 18. Uh, uh, Matthew 18. Tw- yeah. And, and if you're if you're going to be here, read read the whole chapter. Um, well, no, it, wait, it, yeah, Andy, I, I mean... I like this text, Andy. Am I going to like it more after this week or not? <laughs> it's, it's certainly not. I mean, the, the, the most primary way that it's been used for centuries in my world, at least, is I haven't been here for centuries, but um, is like when only a few people show up at a meeting. It's like, well, yeah, but we're two or three are gathered. <laughs> it's like, oh no, it's, it's okay. We're gonna be, Jesus is still here. He's still um, here. Now it's it'll. Um, and we know the workers are few. It's really fascinating. It's in the context of actually of if someone has sinned and how we go about restoring them mm. uh, through discipline. Um, it's very fascinating. It's preceded by the parable of the lost sheep, and it's followed by the parable of the unforgiving the servant. servant yeah. So it's in an interesting sandwich mm. place. And there's even commentators that question if Jesus actually said the words that we have recorded. Uh, So it's very fascinating. Man, you're definitely not going to want to miss this. And who knows? You might still like the text afterwards. Yeah, I think you'll still like it. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, that is going to do it for this week. As always, do join us again next Wednesday for episode 175. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, everyone.